Welcome to Camp Glory's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed this week's encouraging message by Pastor Sam Fine. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. We are looking for God to move in mighty power in this region. Um, I thought to myself, you know, I, I really challenged everybody to share Jesus with at least 10 people the next 40 days. And I thought, well, I better get to it. So this week, I, you know, I, it, when you have your antennas up and you're thinking about it and you're praying about it um, and you're believing for divine appointments, God does show up and he gives you opportunities. And um, one in particular, and um, I was, she, I was expecting her to be here today, but hopefully she'll be here next week. But I was in CVS and there was a lady, uh, she was stocking shelves, and um, and I was looking for a little tub that I could put Eliza's foot in and put Epsom salt and kind of help her with her sprained ankle and kind of get it working a little bit better. So um, so I was looking for a tub, asked her the question. She said, well, I'm sorry, we don't have tubs. But while she was, while she was uh, filling up the shelves inventory, and she kind of kept wincing with her back, kind of like she was in pain. I said, are you okay? She said, no, I'm, I'm in pretty serious back pain. I said, really, what happened? She said, well, I've had three back surgeries of, um, of a, a degenerative uh, disorder in my back. And, and she said, I'm only 50. And I said, well, I said, I got some really good news. I said, I really believe Jesus heals and he wants to heal you. And I said, I would love to pray for you right now because I believe that when I lay my hands on you, he's going to heal your back. She said, really? I said, yep, I do. Will you let me pray for you? She says, okay. So I put, I said, I put my hand on her shoulder and I prayed for her and asked the Lord to minister, strengthen her back. And she looked up at me and she was like, wow, I feel a little bit better. And I said, well, I said, I said to this lady, I said, I said, do you know Jesus? Because he's the one that healed you. I said, do you know him? Have you asked him into your heart? Do you understand that he loves you? And then the Lord gave me kind of a prophetic word for her that he was hearing the cry of her heart because she felt like people had forgotten her and she was being overlooked in life. So I shared with her the word. And she says, well, I used to go to church many, many years ago. But I decided it wasn't for me. This one church, all they talked about was money. I just didn't want to be there anymore because I didn't have any money. So she said, I just didn't go anymore. So I've been, I've been actually away from God for a long time, and I know I need to come back and get my life right. And I said, I would love for you to come to my church. I said, we got the best church in Asheville. She said, really? I said, yeah, the best church in Asheville. So I share with her where we are, where, what time, and, and she said, well, then I'm going to see you there next week. And... Um, so this this Sunday. So maybe she's just late because of the time, you know, scale. We spring forward this year. But the bottom line is, is I was I'm inspired and I'm challenged to get out there. And I had another opportunity to share with somebody. And was, I said to this young young girl, we were I was in um, grocery stores are a great place. You know, I mean, come on, they're a great place to share. Just be looking for it. So there was a young girl at the uh, at the checkout and she was self checkout. She was young and I and she helped me because I couldn't get my card to work to get my discount. 
And, um, and I said, you know what? Jesus really loves you. And I said, have you ever invited him into your heart? She says, what do you mean by that? I don't understand. She says, my mom prays for me that way all the time to invite Jesus. But I don't know what that means. And so I started getting into sharing with her. She says, you are the sweetest person. I said, well, I got good news. <laughs> I said, and, uh, and so I didn't get a chance to really get into a, a lengthy prayer time because there was a police officer standing two steps away from us, standing right there. So it was a little bit challenging because he was guarding uh, in, or with a grocery store for many bandits. So it was just a, a moment that I had to share Jesus. But I want to challenge you all, have your antennas up and be ready. Go into the harvest field because it's wide unto harvest. Look for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. I really believe God's getting ready to move mightily. And, I, and I'm believing that more and more we're going to see people here because you've invited them. And so I'm just trusting the Lord that we're going to see uh, more and more people saved and delivered. So this week, this, this last week, um, I want to encourage everyone, you know, if you're not doing anything during the daytime at, at 930 on Wednesday mornings, we have push. Push means pray until something happens. God has called this church to be a house of prayer. We're to be a praying church. And when we gathered together and we were praying for uh, revival, we were praying for for the promises of God to be fulfilled. We are praying for this church. We are praying for a lot of things that were um, that are happening. We are praying um, about this virus. Anybody hear about a virus that's going around? We started praying about that, asking God to bring an end to it, asking God to cancel it, asking God to stop it but also addressing the fear that is being, being promoted by this thing that is causing people to really just, um, well, to just not be themselves. So we were really addressing these things. And, and as we were praying, I, it just dawned on me that we have the best protection plan that is available to any human being on this earth. And it's called Psalm 91. And we began to declare Psalm 91 as we were praying it over this church and over this nation. But I want to begin to encourage you on the onset before I share what the Lord put on my heart in regards to Psalm 91. I want you to begin to meditate upon that daily. I want you to begin to meditate upon it and declare it over your life, over your family, over your business, wherever you are. Begin to just meditate. So that's your assignment. Okay. Last week it was 10 people. Share Jesus with 10. Now it's Psalm 91. So add that to your, uh, your homework. But I, I really think it's going to be so important that we begin to meditate upon the scriptures and believe what's true, and what's right for every believer. So I want you to, I want to ask you a question. Did you know that there is a secret place that's available for every believer? A secret place, a hiding place, a place of refuge in the spirit of God 
that is waiting for you. It is so important that you understand this because it is a literal place where where the Father is able to hide you, to hide you from things around you. He's able to nestle you under His wings. He's able to uh, shield you from the enemy's plans. But it's a place that protects you from all harm. And it's a place that we all have an opportunity to dwell in. And this place is called Psalm 91. It's the best protection plan you will ever, ever find. It's a wraparound protection plan. It wraps you around. It takes care of you all the time. So let's look at Psalm 91. Turn with me there. Open up your phone. He who dwells in the shelter. Some versions say secret place. He who dwells in the shelter, the secret place of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. The secret place is a wonderful place that we are able to find safety and protection from the storms of life. But it's conditional. What we're going to read is many promises that are in Psalm 91. Every single promise that is in Psalm 91 is conditional with you. It's conditional from the standpoint that you have a part to play in this. And you must choose on your own will, you must choose first to dwell in the shelter. It's a choice that you have. And it is a choice that I think is imperative because in choosing to be in it, we are understanding that there's some elements of our own personal lives that we're going to have to really look at in dealing with the shelter. And that is this. It, we must choose to be absolutely depe be dependent on the Lord protecting us and not ourselves. There cannot be a self-reliance in your own life that I got it together, I'm in control, I can manage things, and I really don't need anybody else's help. When we are in a mindset that we are self-sufficient and we have everything together and we can take care of our own protection, then we're going to be finding, finding out that we are not actually dwelling under the shelter of God. We're dwelling, we're dwelling under the shelter of man. And in that, the component here is that we must understand that we cannot rest upon our natural strengths and abilities, but we have to trust the strong arm of the Lord our God to protect us. God made us as sheep. God says we are sheep the sheep of his pasture. And a sheep is one of the most helpless animals that there is. They don't have really teeth to bite. They don't have really any major legs that they can run. They're just, just a, big, a big bundle of wool that 
really cannot protect itself from all of the elements, from the flies. It can't protect themselves from the wolves. They are totally dependent on the shepherd to survive and to live. And that's the way that God describes us. We are the sheep of his pasture. And in many ways, we are just like them, not able to protect ourselves, even though we might think that we can. We can't. So the reality is he just set this thing up and we got to realize that we can't fool ourselves in thinking that we can be in control. But God even says that he hides us in the secret place of his presence. In God's presence, there is a hiding that takes place where he basically makes you invisible at times, even from the enemy. He hides you. He protects you. He's watching over you. You know, Romans 12 says that we're to offer up our lives as a living sacrifice. That our lives are to be a living sacrifice for the Lord. But you know what's difficult about a living sacrifice? And it kind of be, can be categorized as, as us, is that what's hard about a living sacrifice is that we always want to crawl off the altar. We want to get off the altar. Because we don't like it at times. But the reality is, is that he is to be in charge of our lives. And we have to stay under his presence, dependent and remaining in him, abiding in him. But really, ultimately, finding the refuge in God, the shelter of God, is being close and intimate to his heart that you're longing to be intimate and close with the Father. And in that, you are submitting yourself under the Lordship of the Lord our God, and you are choosing to follow His ways and come under Him and realize that without Him, you're toast. So in this, we have a choice to play, and the choice is, are we going to dwell in the shelter in the secret place of the Most High. And then at verse 2, it says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. You know, it's important to remember that we have to say it out loud. When you're in the car, wherever you are, we need to declare out loud who our God is to us. We need to say he is my refuge and he is my fortress. And when you say it out loud, it, you're, you're making a faith statement. And in saying it out loud, who God is for you, God says, when you decree a thing, he will establish it then. So it's kind of like your faith is becoming alive. Your faith is taking on color. Your faith is shaping actually who God is in your life. When you can make a statement that, you know what, If even though if you're battling a sickness and you can say, you know what, the Lord's my healer. The Lord's my healer. I am not going to let this bow down or, or take over my life in any way. This thing has to bow to the name of Jesus because I'm healed. So in that, you're taking action by saying it. And when you say it, it's very powerful but it actually forms and establishes the promise that God wants you to walk in. 
So he's saying, so the psalmist is saying, he is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I will trust. So no matter how the situation is looking, what you're doing is that you're declaring God's word over your situation. You're declaring that this is who he is. And that's what I stand on. And, and in that, God begins to establish. And then it says, and my God in whom I will trust. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Begin to declare out loud that you are trustworthy, God. I trust you with all of my heart, and I give you my life. And then verse 3, it says, And for he, for it is he who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. This verse has two blessings. The first blessing is for those that choose to live in the secret place of the Most High. He will deliver you from the snares of the devil. There's many times in which the enemy, on a daily basis, weekly basis, and even yearly basis, is going ahead of you, and he's setting up snares, traps, to try to ensnare you, to try to hurt you, to try to bring harm to you. But he's putting those out in advance to try to see how in some way he can bring damage to your life. I'll never forget what Jamie uh, Arizaga said to me, who you know was actually the um, commander who had a force of around a thousand people that took care of the president of Afghanistan. And Jamie used to tell me, he said, Sam, when I got off the plane in Afghanistan, uh, and all of our drive back to the compound in, in, in the city of, of um, wherever the city of Afghanistan is. Um, he said we had to fight off these IEDs, these um, improvised explosive devices. He said they would be blowing up all around us, and we had to make our way all the way back to the compound trying to deal with these IEDs. The enemy was trying to set traps for them. You imagine he gets off the plane and he has to fight his way all the way back to the compound. And then when they get ready to come on back home, when he's on furlough, he has to fight his way all the way back to the airport just so he can come on home. But they're going off everywhere. And so in that, the enemy is trying to continually set traps. But the blessing of God is those that are choosing to dwell in the secret place of the Most High God, God says, I will take care of the traps. I will deliver you from the snare of the trapper. I will go before you. I will expose and bring to light anything that the enemy is wanting to do. But I will watch over you. The second blessing is that he will deliver you from deadly pestilence. You know, with the threat of biological warfare and this virus, the, the coronavirus, we have a God that will deliver us from every single virus. There's not a virus that his blood cannot cancel 
over your own personal lives. But this deliverance of pestilence is contingent upon you choosing to surrender your heart and come under the shadow of the Almighty to dwell in the shelter of the Most High God. So it really comes down to, are you going to allow Him to be Lord of your life and surrender everything and choose not to be in control in your own personal life and not take on like, you know, you're a victim due to your environment, but you're actually coming under his lordship and being an overcomer. We are overcomers in Christ Jesus. And in that, we have a God, he steps in and defends us from all pestilence, from all virus. And the, the beautiful thing about this is Hebrews chapter 8 talks about how we, we live in a better covenant than the old covenant. We live in a better covenant because of the blood of Jesus. The old covenant, they would, they would slay an animal and take its blood and that they would apply it and the sins of, of a nation would be forgiven or they would take the blood and put it over the doorpost so that the, the death angel would pass over their house. But we live in a better covenant in that we don't have to, we don't have to deal with animals. We don't have to deal with, with, you know, doing things the old way. This new way has been bought by the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, it is imperative that you appropriate this new covenant. And how do you appropriate this new covenant? by releasing in faith the finished work of the cross, you release the blood of the lamb over your life. You say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus that protects me right now. I, I declare and decree that the blood of Jesus now is over my children, is over, over my family, is over this church. And I declare that the blood of Jesus is what will shield me and protect me from all pestilence. It will protect me from any virus. It will protect me from any coronavirus. And in that, we are moving into what is the best covenant ever. Just because this covenant works. This covenant has been finished. It is sealed. It's been blood bought. And all we have to do is stand in it, declare and decree it, and there's nothing that can penetrate or defeat the blood of the Lamb. It is all powerful. It doesn't need an extra cleansing element or an alcohol swab or anything else. I mean, yes, be prudent. You know, keep your hands set, whatever you got to do. I'm not telling you not to be unwise, but the bottom line is the blood doesn't need any help. Jesus has finished it and defeated the enemy. But we enter into this because of those that are choosing to dwell in God's shelter and not your own shelter. Verse 4, And he will cover you with his pinions, his wings, and under his wings you may seek refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. Being under the wings is also conditional, because what does it say? And under his wings, you may 
Look at that word there. May seek refuge, which implies you may not find refuge. It is imperative that you understand that being, being in this re refuge, it is going to be that you have to choose to be in the refuge of God. You have to choose to come under his watch care. You know, um, if you've ever watched a hen, I've, you know, I've, I've watched animals. I, you know, I'm one of those people on Instagram. I always love to look at all the animals and the lions and the tigers and the whales and the fishing. And so, but if you, if you see a, a, a hen, uh, a hen with her chicks, whenever there's harm, if, if there's anything going on, such as a, a hawk flying over above, or if there's a, a, a wolf or whatever it might be, a fox, a hen will, 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 will kind of like stretch out her wings and point them downward. And all the chicks are right there. She doesn't run around trying to gather up all of her chicks. She stands there and positions herself and she puts out her wings and she'll make this clucking sound that's a sound of a alarm alert. And the chicks will come running from everywhere when she makes that sound and will get under her wings and then she nestles them close to her. And in that, she is protecting them under her wings. But you know what? The chicks must go to the hen and get under the wings of the hen. God is not going around and trying to gather us all up and say, all right, get under my wing now. Come on. The band's moving out. Get under my wing. No. He stands there in full confidence and says, you know what? My wings are big enough for everybody. It's your choice whether you're going to get under me or not. So we have to choose to come up under the wings of God and to be protected by him and not trying to choose to protect our own selves. So we run into the protection of God. Verse 5 and 6. You will not be afraid of the terror by night or of the arrow that flies by day, <clears throat> of the pestilence, that stalks in darkness. Isn't it amazing that we just brought this back up? You know, when God mentions something two times, don't you think maybe he's trying to get our attention? When he's just said that he will deliver us from pestilence, and now he's coming back. This is the only thing that's mentioned two times in Psalm 91, is pestilence. So if he says it two times, maybe he's saying, this could actually be a problem. So do you believe what I'm getting ready to say? Do you believe that I will protect you from all pestilence? Or the destruction that lays waste at noon. It's interesting to note that in these two verses, in, in Psalm, in verses 5 and 6, they cover an entire 24-hour period. It covers a whole entire 24-hour period, which is the best protection plan you could ever have. It's taking care of, of your whole life all day long. You don't have to sign up for anything else. God has got the best insurance plan for you to protect you and to watch over you. So he says pestilence two times, which I think is very important because he's highlighting that this is a big deal. The first is the terror by night, which includes all of the evils that can come through man, robbery, theft, 
terrorism, kidnapping, wars. Whatever those terrors might be, it's, it's the dread of what man can do to you. It's the dread of what can happen when in the middle of the night and you hear a bump. It's those situations that are happening at the nighttime. All the evils that can take place at the nighttime. But the first thing in the verse of these two five verses is that he deals directly with the issue of fear. There is absolutely no decision, no response, no reaction to a situation that is to be based in fear. You cannot have any element of fear in your life when looking at various situations that we, we are dealing with. For instance, with this virus, coronavirus, God is saying, do not fear. You are not to have any element of fear. I am the God that will protect you. I am the God that will watch over you. But you must not fear. When we begin to fear what happens, <clears throat> because it's the enemy's greatest weapon, he begins to heighten just the, the freak show that goes on in your mind of all the what ifs. He begins to elevate the uncertainty that maybe something like this could happen. So you begin to be elevated in your mind. You get worked up and you get anxious. You look at all of the possibilities. What fear does is it takes a situation and makes it living color. It just all of a sudden becomes a lie. He's saying, do not fear. You know, Jesus said this consistently. Consistently, Jesus said to his disciples, do not fear. Do you know what, what Rocky shared today? When, <clears throat> when the storms came, he said, oh, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Do not fear. And why is he continually, why, why does God want us not to fear? Because it is through faith in his word that we are protected. And, and what fear does, fear is the opposite of faith. And the Lord knows that when fear is involved in our lives, it has the, abil the ability to cripple the promise that God is wanting to bless you with. It has the ability to kind of short circuit the promise that God is wanting to bless you with abundantly in your life. And he knows that fear has the ability to cause you to come out from under the shelter, under the protection, because you're really trying to take matters into your own hand. You're really trying to come up with your own protection plan. You're really trying to deal with things. But simply put, faith is simply this. Faith is simply the choice to receive what God has already done. It's simply believing that his word has said it, and it settled it, and therefore I'm going to believe it. There are so many promises that we have in the Word, but it requires us to have faith to step out into believing it be done. Secondly, <clears throat> we will not be afraid of the arrows that fly by day. Ephesians 6.16 says this, 
that we will hold up the shield of faith and extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You know, these are not regular arrows that are being shot at us. They are flaming arrows. Then why in the world would it say to extinguish all the fiery darts of the evil one? We are to hold up the shield of faith. And what that does, it extinguishes, it neutralizes the plans of the enemy that's wanting to hurt you spiritually. He's wanting to hurt you physically. He's wanting to hurt you financially. He's wanting to hurt you relationally. He's wanting to hurt you mentally. And so he shoots at you fiery darts, but it is the shield of faith that extinguishes a fiery dart. So when you hold up the shield of faith and you stand there in who God says you are, it neutralizes all that is happening all around you. And then thirdly, you will not be afraid of pestilence that stalks in darkness. And as I said, this is the only evil that is named twice in Psalm 91. And God doesn't waste words. He's not trying to uh, repeat this just because he's just wanting to say it again. He's saying, red alert. Be aware of the fact this is an issue. You know, I think God knew that pestilence and viruses would be running rampant today. And I think he knew in these last days that we would be facing things like we're facing right now. You know, right now, the, the, the coronavirus uh, is hitting thousands of people worldwide with almost 400 confirmed cases in America and 18 deaths. But I want to put this into perspective. In comparison to this, the CDC reports that this year already, 10,000 people have died from flu. They're expecting this year 12,000 people will die from flu. 19 million people in our nation have been affected by flu. 18,000 have gone to the hospital because they're so ill and you know what? That's never been reported. 12,000 people this year will die of flu. Now, I'm not saying this virus is not serious. I'm not saying we shouldn't take it um, seriously. But the way that it's being reported today through the media, it is it is releasing fear that is trying to grip this nation and cause us to buckle and come down to our knees. And that fear is what God has warned us about. Do not fear. I will deliver you from all pestilence. It is because of the blood of the lamb. Our, our savior shed his blood for this very moment that he would protect us and shield us from all viruses. So God said in verse 3, I have delivered you from deadly pestilence. So he said it again. And actually, it's kind of like saying, 
did you really hear me? I have delivered you from deadly pestilence. I am going to cover you. I am going to watch over you. Do not be afraid. We have to renew our mind in understanding that God's word has been established and the promises of God are yes and amen. They are living and active. And when we put our faith in what God says, it will be established for us. It will be our inheritance. We will walk out the fullness of that and be victorious and not be victims because of an epidemic that's being um, purported throughout all of our nation that's going to destroy our nation. That is a lie. Fear is a lie. And fear is becoming more of an epidemic than anything. So in this, we stand in the blood of Jesus and we declare that for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Joshua made a clear statement. He says, you know what? I am not going to look at what's going on around me with all the other gods and everything that's happening around me. For me and my house, we're going to be under the blood covenant of Jesus. And because of that, no pestilence is going to come near my house. It's going to, it's going to go over. So in that, it's important to remember that faith is not a feeling. Faith is simply choosing to believe what he says in his word. It's simply believing it. Is it true or is it not true? You don't feel it. You believe it. So you stand on it and you choose to believe God's word and what it says for you. And we put our trust in him. And trust is a big deal. Trust is a huge deal because there's a lot of broken trust today. We find broken trust in relationships and we find broken trust uh, in marriages. But God is trustworthy to the end. He's a trustworthy God. And fourthly, we will not be afraid of the destruction that lays waste at noon. The fourth category covers destruction, evils on which man has no control over, such as tornadoes, floods, hurricanes, hail, etc. God is very plain. I will protect you, but you have to choose to come under my shelter. I just read a story in Nashville with these tornadoes that just that swept through and just, just did so much destruction. And, and uh, one of the pastors said, you know, his dog just kept barking, you know, in the middle of the night, because this, this tornadoes came through in the middle of the night. And the dog kept barking. He was like, oh, shut up, you know? And then finally he got up and all of a sudden he could hear just, I mean, the house was shaking. He could hear something major was getting ready to come. He looked on his phone. It said an alert, tornado, tornado. He got his family. They went down into the basement, and no sooner did they got in the basement, and the whole top of the house just went away. I mean, God protected them from destruction. He watched over them. I remember I was boating. I was um, I was fishing with uh, for for um, Spanish mackerel, and I was trolling up and down the uh, the, the beach, and it, it came towards the end of the night. I got done. I had a wonderful time fishing. I had a boatload of Spanish mackerel. I was so happy. I was coming around the uh, the channel, coming into the intercoastal waterway. 
there's a there's huge rocks at the end of the waterway for the intercoastal. And uh, at that very moment when I was coming around the bend, and this is where the water is most treacherous, this is not the place to stop your boat. My boat froze up. The motor froze up. And I'm standing there with the wind on my back pushing me into a rock face that was massive. And, and I'm sitting there paralyzed thinking, you know, what am I going to do? There's a boat coming beside me. I said, help. He said, we're not coming near you, buddy. You know, and I'm like, oh, this is great. You know, I mean, my boat's getting closer and closer to the rocks. I mean, I, it was over with, you know. So finally he said, throw out the anchor. I went, oh, yeah. So, so, so I threw out the anchor, you know, and, and, and it, it, it wasn't catching. I kept trying to get the anchor to catch and it wasn't catching. And, and I was getting closer and closer. I got to about from here to these chairs, this massive rock face. And finally, the anchor caught. My boat's bobbing like this. And I just bobbing. And I'm just like, my heart was just like, I mean, I was, it was, I mean, the boat would have been destroyed. I quickly got on the phone, called the towing company. He said, I'll be there in 20 minutes. I said, 20 minutes? Come on. So finally got there in 20 minutes. And he said, man, he said, you're really lucky to be alive. Because he came up beside me and got my boat and got me away from the rocks. And um, I said, why? He said, well, last week I came right here to get a guy. And um, he died right here. Same thing. Boat went into the rocks. He delivers us from destruction. Amen. God is faithful. Romans 3, verse 3. What then? If some did not believe, their unbelief will not nullify the faithfulness of God. Will it? May it never be, rather. Let God be found true. Though every man be found a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. God is telling us that even though there might be some who do not believe, their unbelief will never nullify his promises to those that do believe. This is important to remember. As we choose to believe and confess that God has found a shelter for us we will be found victorious in judgment. When we stand before God, we will be victorious because we have believed on his words. I'm going to kind of wrap it up. I know I want to get back to this next week, but I want to say this. Scripture says in verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not approach you. Do you understand it says that 10,000 will, will, uh, will die at your right hand and a thousand at your left hand. What this is implying is more is going to be defeated around you in your life as you stand on the word of God. Because what do we do when we take up the shield of faith? What do we put in our right hand? The word of God. The word of God will neutralize and destroy more attacks that come into your life than that that is on your left side. The left side are those situations that are unexpected. You didn't know where they were coming from. It came out of nowhere. All of a sudden it was like, whoa, where did this come from? God is saying, I'll take care of those for you. 
But the majority of them are going to come as you stand on the word of God and believe it and declare it and confess it and own up to it. Hold it in your right hand and you will see 10,000 on your right hand destroyed and a thousand on your left hand. I tell you, our God is so faithful. He is so faithful. You know, I, I think we would all be amazed at what God spares us from in the unseen realm. You know, it, it, I think if our eyes were open to the spiritual realm, we would be really, really freaked out. Because I think there's more that's going on around us than what we realize. I think God has delivered us and protected us from more than what we've ever imagined possible that could ever happen in our lives. And he's like, you know what? It's not necessary that you see it. Just trust me. I'm taking care of you. I've got your back. I'm looking out after you, and I'm watching over you in every situation. So God has has established the best protection plan that a believer could ever have. And it's called Psalm 91. And I want to encourage you to meditate, to to chew on, to realize that, that God has set this up to give us a holistic plan that watches our coming and our going. It will watch us when even when we're sleeping, it takes care of you. But it's all contingent on your choosing. Are you going to choose to dwell in the shelter of the Most High God? Are you going to choose to stop trying to protect yourself and let God do it? God is able to take care of you. He's a big God. Amen? All right. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much. Lord, I thank you that you have given us in your word the best plan available for anyone to partake of. But we must choose it. We must choose. We must choose to surrender and be dependent upon you to watch over us. And Lord, I thank you and I praise you that you are a faithful God. And Lord, just as you protected your people, Israel, over the years, as you led them with a a, a cloud by day and a pillar by night. God, you were their protection and you watched over them. And Lord, just in the same manner, we live in a new covenant, a better covenant that has been established by the blood of Jesus. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have paid the price. You have shed your blood that we might live in a covenant that is established forever and that is all powerful to protect us and watch over us from any plans of darkness. So Lord, I'm asking now in faith that your blood, Lord Jesus, would cover this church. I'm asking that your blood would cover every family represented here, that your blood would cover their homes, that your blood would cover their businesses, that your blood would cover all their relationships 
I'm asking, Lord, that the blood of the Lamb would be applied on the doorpost of our minds. That, Lord, your blood would watch over us and protect us. And Jesus, we thank you that in your blood we have freedom. We have freedom in you to be at peace, to be safe and secure. So, Lord, I thank you and I praise you right now for the precious blood of Jesus that takes away all of our sin. And, you know, I, as I met with this lady this week, she said, you know what? At one time, I, I knew God, but I fell away from God. And I just had this sense that, that there could be someone here today that it's time to come back to God and make your life right again. It's time to rededicate your heart to the Lord Jesus. It's time to say, Lord, I'm sorry for drifting away from you, for making excuses. I'm sorry for putting my attention into other things. I want to come on back home, Lord. And today I just want to let you know it, it, he's here with open arms. He's ready to welcome you back home and to love you because he died for you and he wants to bless you. So if today is a day that you need to come back to the Lord. You need to rededicate your heart. I want you to, I want you to just, if you're, if you're courageous enough just to raise your hand right now, I'd love for you to raise your hand. If you know, Lord, I need to give my heart back to you. I need to rededicate my heart and surrender all to you. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Is there anyone here that just needs to come back to the Lord? You've been away from the Lord. It's time. It's time. It's time to come on home. Come under his wing. Come under his protection. It's time to come home. If your heart's kind of grown cold and you've drifted away and you've like, Lord, I've lost, I've lost my love, my first love. I need to come on back home. If that's you, I really want you to raise your hand. I want, to, I want us to pray for you. I want us to believe that God is here to minister his love to you. So, Father, I thank you and I praise you for this wonderful church. I thank you, God, that you have given us a wonderful plan in your word of protection in this season of life. And, Lord, I pray that you would bless and keep each and every one. I'm asking God that you would watch over them and shield them from the evil one this day. And I bless them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 